So we we're reading the Genesis chapter 3, and I was trying to explain to us that um, you know, Eve was not tempted to disobey God until somebody told us something different. Right? So it takes a different input in your mind to make you start looking in the direction you do not want to look at or you should not be looking at. And that is why we must ensure that we guard our mind. I don't want to hear negative stuff. I don't want to hear discouraging thoughts. If it's not going to fire me up, if it's not going to make me... Okay, Holy Spirit, I want to say it. I'm going to share it with you guys. So, I work in technology as a business analyst, program manager, project manager. In that space, I do everything. So, I'm questioning our work. So, we have the senior leadership team that I attend with my team. And what they do in that senior leadership team, what they do there is just to swear and run everybody in the business down. That's what they do there. And it was affecting my heart. I realized that I was unconsciously getting negative. You know, each time I'll come, come up with the possibility of how we can solve the problem, but they don't like it. So things went pear-shaped between myself and my boss and stuff like that. And one day I said to myself, I would like to be excused from that meeting. Can I give you a hint, a tip here? Please ensure that you are very good at what you do. Ensure you are very good at what you do. So in a typical work environment, they will probably want to fire me. But they fire me, they fire me at their own peril, at their own loss. Because I didn't know what I have delivered that they were not able... I know what I delivered in two months that they were not able to deliver in one year. It was stressful, but they know what I'm capable of. And they know I know my stuff. So leveraging on the fact that I'm a kind of an expert in what I do, I said, I don't want to be in that meeting anymore. I said, that's fine, yeah. So there's some negotiations that I do on the basis of the fact that, okay, one, God is with me, but on the fact that I'm also an expert in my field. And I tell you guys, I am always constantly improving myself in what I do. The next thing I'm thinking about now is probably becoming a CEO. Not that I'll be the CEO because, I'm, because I do ministry, but everything the CEO needs to know and run the business operation, I want to know. So if I apply for a job, it's, I, I'm doing you a favor. Right? So because knowing that you are a Christian, knowing you stand for light, knowing there's wickedness out there that want to discredit you, one of your leverages is that you are super good at what you do. It's going to give you a leverage. One of the things I've seen in workplaces is that people who are nasty, who have a nasty derogatory behavior, the business place will keep them despite their nastiness, but because they know what those guys are bringing to the workplace. Please yeah. me record that, I'll say, but my CEO, you know, he promoted me after I made a 60-second statement in a meeting where my boss asked me to not say a word in that meeting, I made a 60 second statement and the guy promoted me to the senior leadership team of the business in 60 seconds. When I get promoted in workplace, they, I, I don't, they don't take me through, well, you've performed well, okay, no. I don't seek promotion in workplace. I go do my job. I try to do the best I can do. When I'm speaking, you know I'm enlightened, I'm not stupid. I get to meet. So the last two jobs I've done whereby they promoted me but on their own, um, you know, for whatever reason they were thinking and I've negotiated salary, I didn't apply for it. But if you know you want what I carry and what I'm able to deliver, 
Let's talk about it. I was speaking to one director. I said, you know what? I'm not going below the salary. And I'm, later I was saying to myself, Tunde, you, your life has changed. You're negotiating salary with the director and you're saying that I'm not going down. I was giving them time. I said, is that, and the thing is, is that I take the job or I leave the, co the company because there's no other position for me in the company. But I was saying to them that this is what I want on my own terms. And we dragged and dragged and dragged until they were able to kind of meet me just below by 500 pounds. I was like, okay, I forgive you. I'm kind. Be very good at what you do. Invest in yourself. So I've not, what I've not told you, I've not told you that if you pray and fast, like God will open doors. I've told you that you got to learn, you got to know, you got to be skillful. Amen. So um, because of what I can, I was able to deliver, I'm able to deliver, which is just, I'm just warming up, right? I was able to negotiate with them in that SLT meeting that, guys, I want to be excused for this meeting because I don't like the poison they pour in my heart in those meetings. Is all dirty and filth. No, I don't want. Amen. Let's carry on. So that was how it happened to him. But where I was trying to get us to is this. Now God said the day they eat of the fruit, the, the day they eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, that day they will die. But in that chapter, after they ate, let's go there. So I want to show you what death really means. So that when I begin to really touch on the soul as I've been talking about it and your spirit, it makes more sense to you that you are predominantly a spirit. So uh, let's go further down. So from verse 6, I'm going to read a bit quickly. I'm reading from the NIV UK. Uh, Genesis 3, thank you, from verse 6. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and desire, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. I don't know what that wisdom she's looking for. She took some and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. That conversation will have it in heaven because I don't know what he was thinking. Then, the, thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, okay, I'll say it. Okay, it's a sensitive one, but it's very important because the Holy Spirit prompts me to say it. For men, it's not everything your wife tells you that you do. You don't disobey God for your spouse and vice versa too. No. We'll get into that into, we'll get into that into Ephesians 5. You don't disobey your spouse. Uh, sorry, you don't obey your spouse in the expense of, okay, I'm trying to not use big grammar here. So you don't obey your spouse to disobey God. If you guys need counseling, you got to go for counseling. Because when things backfire, it's going to affect you. And it can breed, breed hatred, resentment towards your spouse. Because you, you'll be like, you asked me to do this, and we did this. I'm going somewhere here. Later on today, I'm going to be showing you something about purpose. Right? Your marriage is not your purpose. Marriage can help you to a very much extent, you know, on your journey of purpose. But God forbid if your spouse dies, does that mean your life has ended? Amen. So, um, couples, you don't obey your spouse to disobey God. So you guys need to negotiate and talk about it. And hence, single people, you need to ensure that the person you want to marry is a person who fears the Lord, who respects the Lord, who takes God very seriously. Because if he does not respect God, 
when you get into some serious situation whereby you need guidance from God, make compromise. And I'll tell you one thing, a compromise from a party can ruin a home. One compromise from a party can ruin a home, ruin lives. Amen. So let's bear that in mind. Right. I pray for understanding and I pray that um, you know, you're able to get the counselors that can help you there. Um, no one is too old to receive counseling. So when people need help, they should go get help. Pray for God to guide you to where to get help. If you need help, get help. Amen. So uh, verse 8, it says, no, 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 I think verse 7. So after those guys ate, right, the Bible says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they seed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now what God said in the previous chapter is that the day they eat of this tree, that day they become, they will die. But when they ate of it, they did not die as many of us would think they would die. Because they were still alive, still living. But God, God cannot lie. God's word is not false. But they died. But let's look at the symptoms, the signs, what that death looked like. So, spiritual death. Let's look at this. Now, the Bible says in verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, but they were not blind. Because Eve could see the fruit. That's why she ate. Adam named all the animals in the Garden of Eden so he can see them. But the Bible says that their eyes were opened. Do you know what it means? It means they were opened to a different reality. They lost sight of the reality of Christ, the reality of God. And they were opened into a different reality. Though they can see, but what is now reality is no longer God. What was reality? Self, me. Because Genesis chapter 2, verse, the last verse there says, they were naked and they were not ashamed. You know, they were just carried on with life. But in chapter 3, after they disobeyed God, right, they began to say something different. The same thing applies to us here. You know, what is happening in our life is a function of what we are seeing, what we see as reality. So the question is, what you see as reality, is that the reality of God? Because God's reality and human reality are very different. So the question is, what are you looking at? Amen. So the, uh, verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they seed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord, the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So this... These guys were hiding. They fellowship with God 24-7. Now they had the sound of God's presence. And it, now God doesn't visit us. People, people say things like, may God visit us. Well, so maybe you've been to meetings when they said, may God come and visit you or you have a divine visitation. Guys, you know what? I don't want God to visit me. I don't need it. Because God dwells on the inside of me. The Bible says in the book of Galatians chapter 1 that I have received the spirit of Christ and it dwells on me. I get to me. So God does not visit. God is in you, is with you. Second Corinthians chapter 6, the, God said a promise that is going to be with you, be in you, walk with you. You know, what's happening here, guy? Okay, behave yourself. 
it's going to be with you. It's going to be in you, right? So God is with you. Jesus said in book of John chapter, I think 14, he said, if you believe, myself and my father will come and make our dwelling with you. We'll live with you. So where is this God come and visit us? You know, when people sing this kind of song, my wife is not issue, I'll be laughing. When you hear things like, pass me by, not on gent- I don't know how to sing this song, my wife. Pass me not by. Do not pass me by. That's the English, normal English. So when people pray and cry and sing, do not pass me by, I'm wondering where is it coming from? Where is it going? No, I don't understand. Where is it coming from? Where is it going? So are you trying to say I must catch God? That kind of Christianity is, I don't, I, don't, I don't want that kind of relationship with the kind of God where I have to be catching him. No, he dwells with me, he dwells in me. And that's why right now, I can begin to pray in tongues right now and by the power of the Holy Ghost, I can manifest the presence of God here right now. I can. Because I know he's in me. I can get us to worship, pray in the spirit and the Holy Spirit will begin to open my eyes to see things about you guys. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Don't let's go there. And I'll start calling things out. Amen. Because he's in me, he's with me. If God has to come and visit you, you will make so many bad decisions before it comes to your because before it comes to your rescue or come to you. Because there are many people in the world, so you can't even tell where who God is working with right now. You don't even know whether you'll be on the queuing list. So when will so you hear things that like God remember me. Why should He remember me when He dwells on the inside of me? Those prayers are not correct. God does not have mental health issues that we have to then remember. No, no, He's in you. And that's why you can pray and talk to him every time, any time. He doesn't have to remember you. No, no, God. God should not remember me because it's in me. Amen. So there's not such thing as divine visitation, divine remembrance, the opening of book, the book of memory. No. It's in me. Now we have conversations, we talk. Amen. So, now, these guys were hearing, they were fellowship with God. So, all that things I've said was to show you that God was always in that place. But how I'm going to interpret this was, when they thought about God, they were afraid. When they thought about him, they were afraid. Now, look at the people that were constantly in God's presence. Now that when they think about God, do you know that happens to us today? today, today? Many times when we want to go to the place of prayer, many of us are afraid because we think we are unworthy of God. The same thing was happening to those guys. All of those negative experiences came as a result of the fall of man. So many of us inherited those feelings, those emotions, those way of thinking from the fallen nature of man. We're not wired that way. We were wired originally to have to be in constant peace and harmony with God 24-7. To jump ahead of myself a little bit, and that's what Jesus came to restore. Because these guys were cut off from God spiritually. So the God that used to be their power, their guy, now they are afraid and they are hiding because there's now a distinction between both of them. God is life, God is light. They are now darkness. Now they have a new boss, they have a new nature. Now they are now the God of themselves. Because that's why they can see that they're naked. So they are focused now on themselves, not on God anymore. Something has cut off. Something has changed. And that all of those things is spiritual, even though it affected their soul. They died spiritually. 
So the real separation between human beings and God is not a physical or mental one, it's a spiritual one. And because there's a spiritual vacuum between mankind and God, I mean the man that is not saved, so demons and unclean spirits can exploit that vacuum and give you something else. Because human beings are falling. So when we are so focused on ourselves, I'm not good enough, I'm not this, it means that we are operating in the flesh. We are, we are looking at things after the natural human being. And I shared with us earlier on that a Christian is not a natural, a normal human being. I'm not normal. So when someone insults you and says you are not normal, you should be smiling. I'm not normal and I never pray to be normal because that's why I can raise the dead. I can lay my hands upon the sick and they'll be healed because a normal man cannot do that. You know, someone under the oppression of demons and I say in the name of Jesus, get out. A normal human being cannot do that. Do you know that in the history of mankind, nobody was ever able to cast out a demon until Jesus arrived on the scene. When people were demon-possessed, they were stoned to death. But Jesus came on the scene, and those guys knew they're not. <laughs> the boss is here. Go for it, Sarah. No, 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 don't say it that way. Not that we can't, not be, you are not normal. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> say that again, let me hear, let me hear, go, say it. So does that mean that, what? You have it, that's what I'm trying to say. In Christ Jesus, everyone we receive has it, you have it. Exactly, what I have, you have it. It's about discovering it, it's in you. If I'm able to teach you for the next 25 minutes about healing, and I ask you to go pray for someone who is sick, you will see the healing happen. You have it. I'm not superior to you. Being a pastor doesn't make me superior to you. I'm not in any ground. I have the same, you say, you have equal right and access to God just as I do. Everything I have, you do. Because when you read your Bible, have you ever come across somewhere where he says, you know what, these blessings are for pastors? No. It's for you who is reading the Bible. So when you say things like, I'm a bishop. Yeah, God, God is speaking to me. You know, that is pride and being silly to the core. The same spirit of Christ, the same life of God is in everybody. You want to hear the truth? You can be more mature than me in some spiritual areas than me. It's true. Because in some spiritual context in the Bible, if I don't have enough time to explore it, and you are giving your time to it, you can know much more than me in that area. That's why no pastor knows it all. That's why we, I create community and fellowship so that I can also learn from you guys. Nobody's an island of revelation in the body of Christ. It's called a body. And no, for no organ is independent of another organ. So when the pastor sees himself superior, he's not thinking straight. Because he needs some serious prayer from the church to help him in the ministry. You can't do this in the arm of the flesh. That's Christianity. You can't do this assignment with human strength. Because it's spiritual. Now, I've called out things that apply to you guys that are happening in your life that you've not told me about. Where do you think that information came from? It came from the Holy Spirit. You've not told me, but I know so well. I've touched on things that are going on in you guys' life that you guys haven't told me about. So let me help you with that word, tap into it. Believe it. Hold it as a reality. All are called, if you are chosen. You know the all that were called? Everybody in the world. 
We were, so when you, so there's a way the Bible is written. So when you hear the word things like few are chosen, what that means is that the people who give their life to Christ are the chosen ones. Right? Because the choosing is something that Christ has already done. So when you come into Christ, you're automatically chosen. Now, the only one who is actually chosen is Christ Jesus. So when you come into Christ, automatically you're chosen. So there are complexities around how the Bible was written because you know, they were not written in the times when there was English language. So this is one of the jobs we do as pastors and every one of us to study to be able to understand how those, how those things were applied to us. I've used an example of fruit and all those kind of stuff. How you get to me? So I need to go back to that verse and I can expound on it more, right? But based on the truth, I'm going to show us a few. Because, okay, now let me give you an example. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. Ephesians 1, 5. Okay, so let me start from verse 3, sorry. So now the Bible says it. Praise be to the God. This is the NIV UK. It said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly places, heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now look, listen to this. It said, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So you may see how many are called, few were chosen in the Old Testament, but those guys were seeing things vaguely. They didn't really understand things. But we're talking about being chosen right? The Bible says before you were even born, you had been chosen. For you to come into this world at all, there you, are, you are God's choice in Christ Jesus to do what he's called you to do. So when you come into this world, all you need to do is to find Christ, be in Christ, and everything that God's, God planned for you before you were born begin, and, and it kicks into motion. So he didn't choose few, he chose everybody. In Christ. So the choosing is in Jesus. Right? The choosing is in Jesus. So when you believe in Christ, you're automatically chosen. Right? So as many who come into Christ, they are chosen by God. Yes. It makes sense? Yeah. There's more to it. Uh, maybe in my future sessions, I'll be able to break it down properly for you guys. So even during a break session, I can break it, I can break it down for you much more, guys. Right? So... Um, that Pastor, can you even get that scripture? It said, where few are called, uh, many are called, few are chosen. So I can't remember where exactly I've read. It's been a long time. Uh, if I can do some justice and we can deal with it later on. So what I was trying to establish is this. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, those guys, the Bible says they died. But that, di- that death, what does that mean? Because those guys were still physically alive, but the Bible said they died. And we can see what death really means in the Bible. They were afraid. They were hiding. And then the f- in... So if a man accuses his wife for his own wrongdoing, is a sign of the fall of man. That's a blessing to wives there. I, I think some wives should give me some, um, some special... Uh, so if your husband does something wrong and he's blaming you for what he's done wrong, it means that he's laboring in the flesh. Right? He's not being spiritual. Because every, everyone should take responsibility for their action. So if somebody do something wrong and they are blaming you for what they have done wrong, their head is not correct. Sarah, that is very Nigerian, my expression there. If anyone does something wrong and they are saying that you made me do this, they are not thinking straight. Okay, I'm, I'm, about, to, I'm about to switch. I'm about to switch the dial. So get ready for this. It may hit you a little bit, but get it. So likewise, 
People should not be saying the devil made me do this. Because you have the power not to yield to the enemy. And I'm going to come to that, uh, to that shortly. Amen. So, I repeat, if somebody is blaming you and calling you on names because of their mistake, they are not thinking straight. Because you did not take their hand and their leg to do what they did. They chose to. Praise the Lord. So, the aftermath of the fall, spiritual death, those guys were spiritual, they, they were spiritually separated from God. So they, they, were, they became God of themselves. They were looking at themselves, what I don't have, what I look like, what I don't look like, and all this kind of stuff. So self-consciousness to a very much extent, or, or, yeah, I'm trying to, be, to say that cautiously, to a very much extent is a sign of the fall. Knowledge of good and evil. So they could tell something was wrong, something is right. But previously, they were just so heavily saturated in only what is good. Because the life of God and the kingdom of God, all that is in it is good. But in the kingdom of darkness is evil. So man should not be grappling with, should I do this, should I not do that? You know, that's not how God designed us. But since they, since they were, they died spiritually, I think, so God is so amazing that, you know, he still puts a part of himself in human beings that they can still tell, this is not right, this is not good. Right, but they died, I mean, spiritually. That one, you know, we can't uh, doubt that. So self-conscious, became self-conscious as opposed to God-conscious. So from the moment man fell, he started trying to find purpose for himself, finding meaning for his own life. He doesn't seek God for meaning. So he will look at his talent, he will look to his talent, look to his abilities, and say, this is me. And there's so much confusion. So the confusion, the doubt, the anxiety in the world today is a function of the fall. Jesus said, peace I live with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled. So anything contrary to peace is not of God, is of the enemy, is of the fall of man. So people are trying to find purpose, and a lot of people are making money out of this. You know, you want to find your purpose in this? Come for this three-day seminar. The question is, whatever you define as your purpose, I'm going to touch on that later on this afternoon. If that thing was taken away, if something happens to that like we saw in that video, would you still think you have a purpose? We'll talk about that more, uh, later on, so why you should endure to, to the end. So mankind received a new nature. It took on the spiritual nature of Satan and it started doing bad things. Friends, people are not sinners because of what they do. People are sinners because of the nature of the devil they have. Right. So the fact that a Christian is committing sin does not make them a sinner. Because that word sinner is a person who is sinning by nature. By nature. Just like it's the nature of a goat to bleat and the nature of a dog to back. So a sinner is inspired by their spirit to sin. So believers who may be struggling with a weakness or the other should not consider them a sinner because they are speaking the identity that is not theirs. So you are either a senior, even if you are morally correct in the eyes of the world, or you are a child of God. There's no in-between. And what made a person a sinner? The fall of man. 
because they do not have Christ in their life. So the moment a person has Christ in their life, they are no longer a sinner. Just, just listen to that. As a child of God, you're a sinner. Two identity combined into one package. No. So when you hear things like, I'm a sinner saved by grace, turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians 2, just the next chapter to what we're reading. Fantastic. What does it say? The Bible says, by grace you have been saved. You have been saved from sin. And it's a spiritual thing. You are saved from sin. I'm going to read Galatians to us later on. You have been saved from sin. So you are no longer a sinner. You have been rescued from sin. So a child of God, right? So what, one of the reasons why I asked you to read that verse is that people say we are sinners saved by grace. No, I was a sinner saved by grace. I'm no longer a sinner. Because it is an identifying with that revelation, that truth, that you realize that your actions begin to fall in line and you're not seeing yourself like a sinner. The more you call yourself a sinner, the more your mental faculties, everything will gear towards that. So instead of you focusing on becoming who you can be or who God has created you to be, you are busy thinking of what you don't want to do, what you should not be doing. It's counterproductive. It's stressful. It's, it's tiring. It's depressing. Amen. I'm hoping that people are beginning to connect why they go through anxiety and a few things. So you guys, let me be honest with you. I struggle with anxiety. You know, um, I came from a home where my father was very abusive. He would beat everybody, in the women, he would beat everybody and beat us. He beat me one day that I passed out. I was gone. Then I came back to life. I think that's my first experience with death. And so there was this fear that was built into my soul because every day I live in fear, every day. And the enemy seeing that fear in me, hidden it, and for about 15 years of my life, I was struggling with fear every day. Until one day I woke up, I said, Satan, you know what? Whatever the problem is, bring it to my face and let us tackle it. Stop, stop, stop harassing me with the emotion of fear. But this emotion of fear is so real. And I said, no, I'm not having it. And when I was getting about those ones, it came with anxiety. One day I asked myself, I said, so what should I be anxious of? For what reason? And the emotion can be strong. Okay, there was a guy I led to Christ two years ago, and this guy was visiting me, and I wrestled with anxiety all day. I was laughing, I was ministering the gospel to him, but inside of me was a, literally a thick emotion of anxiety. And I said, I'm not using to this, because this is not me. So I'm telling you, I know what you go through. I go through stuff too, but I refuse to use it. Anxiety is a, is a, is a, is a killer. And I'm not surprised that the devil tried to reintroduce anxiety into my heart, speaking through that man of God that was trying to speak to me because he wants to get me back into that state. The man meant well, but next time you should learn to be discerning and not speaking negative into the life of a person. With all due respect, that's why you get to be very careful with the pastors you listen to. The fact that somebody called and said a pastor doesn't mean you listen to them. I say to people in Transformers Church, I say, listen to me for eight weeks at least before you decide to join us. Because you may not, you, you are not sure. The, I may be preaching one Sunday and that Sunday might be my best Sunday of the year. With a good sermon. Listen for eight weeks. 
If I still talk about Christ and I act it out, you can come and bug my house, put cameras there. I'll find you anyway. Right? And watch. Ask my wife, just go and, just go and meet her in the corner. Say, well, what is Tony like behind the scenes? She'll tell you what you see is what he is at home. Because it's stressful for me to come up and put up in front. It's just too much hassle. Why? Amen. So we are not sinners saved by grace. We were sinners. In Christ Jesus, we are born again. Amen. So it's lunchtime. Is it a bit good to go for lunch? Let me see what I got here. Uh, guys, let me see that. So let me quickly run through this. One second, please. Let me quickly go through this. So that when we come back, we're just going to go into relationship with God. So all of this you look at here are the things that came into the world. But you know what? I just felt in my heart. We gather. We need to read the scripture. Right. So let's go for lunch and we'll come back to this. Fantastic. So lunch is half an hour.